Amen. Let's look in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And I'm going to share a message entitled, Being Satisfied. Psalm 103. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 1. Read down to verse 7. And uh, look a little bit into David's life as he longed to be satisfied with his God. Psalm 103 in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who giveth, uh, forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful uh, to be able once again uh, open up the Bible and read it and uh, take time to study it. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us tonight uh, with the Holy Spirit being our teacher and guide through the scriptures. I pray that the need of each and everybody's heart that's here tonight will be touched, Lord, and uh, be ministered to uh, by the working of the Spirit of God in each of us. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given us your precious word uh, that is uh, so powerful, so relevant uh, for uh, each of us individually, for each of us in our lives, in the age that we are, in the strengths that we have, uh, Lord, in the opportunities that you give us. Uh, the word of God is so precious. And so, Lord, we thank you for giving that to us. And I pray, Lord, tonight uh, that uh, you would honor and bless the preaching of the Word of God. Holy Spirit, how we desperately need you tonight. And so, Lord, send thy Holy Spirit upon this place uh, that we might sense an anointing and a move of God through the preaching of the Word. Uh, bless us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 5 says, who satisfieth uh, thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, being satisfied. You know, in uh, 2019, that's a challenge to get people to be satisfied with what they have, what they experience, where they are, where, what they're doing. Uh, it's hard to get people to be satisfied David, we know at the time of writing this psalm, is in his old age, and he is crying out for God to give him strength, uh, for strength as he was as a youth. And uh, he's longing for God to speak to him in a special way and to move in his life in a great way. And so he is longing to be satisfied with his God. He acknowledges that the God who satisfies does strengthen. And uh, sometimes what we do is we live our life, we're not uh, 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 thankful for where God has brought us or what he wants to do in our life at this very moment. And it, and they, it causes us many times to uh, get disillusioned with God and forget about the blessings and the benefits of God. And uh, we need to turn our lives back over to the Lord and be refreshed in the reality of who our God is 
no matter where we are, whether we're newly saved or we've been saved a long time or whether we're young in our age or whether we're older in our age, uh, every one of us have to deal with this whole concept of simply being satisfied with Christ. And uh, well, the world does not satisfy, no matter what the world gives you, you always have to have more. Whatever you experience in the world, it's always going to detect, decay and pass away. And so I need to find my satisfaction in the Lord. And when I'm satisfied in the Lord, he renews my strength and he gives me great hope. And in this psalm, David is actually identifying the benefits of knowing the Lord or being satisfied with his God. In verse 2, where we read, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And uh, one of the great challenges, I think, is for us to remind ourselves over and over again of the benefits of being a Christian, the benefits of knowing God. You know, when God would bring the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, and cross, they would cross over eventually the Jordan River, he uh, commanded them to take up ro rocks, to be able to make a memorial to remind them of what God had done in their life. And as David is coming to the end of his life, as he's older in his, his years of age, uh, he's saying, I just want to be uh, refreshed. I want to make sure I do not forget the benefits of being a child of God. And I, I think many times the dangers is, and I see young people get saved, and as they get older, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they fall by the wayside. And I just think it's maybe because it, they just have forgotten what it, the benefits are of being a Christian. And we need to remind ourselves of what the goodness of God is and how God works in our life. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he starts listing them. Uh, notice, first of all, just thinking of this, I didn't put these on the slides today. His introductory thoughts. No, I'm, I'm before that. Okay, yeah. All right. I can't remember what I put on the slide sometime. <laughs> Don't worry, Jack and I will work it out here in a minute. Anyway, so first of all, notice that David wants to be satisfied by his whole being being stirred in him. That's why in verse 1 he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. In other words, there was no reservations. He didn't want to hold anything back. And uh, he wanted to bless the Lord with everything that he was in his soul. And I, I, I think it's a noteworthy thing when people surrender life completely to the Lord and are so satisfied with Christ that Christ occupies every aspect and every nook and cranny of the being who they are. Uh, we need to, in, in the world that we live in, that's a strange thing that somebody would be that sold out and that committed. We often say, well, man, he's really sold out. Well, that's how we ought to be, all of us. There, there shouldn't be this sense that it's abnormal to be consumed with God. Uh, the reality is, the truth, the, the, the reality of the situation is that who we are ought to be consumed with God. So he says, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is with me. So he wanted his whole being stirred. I don't want to ever get to a point in my Christian life where I'm not stirred by God. I don't want to ever get to a point where I hear a sermon and I'm not moved by it. I don't want to get to a point where I read through the word of God. And as I'm reading through the word of God, God doesn't speak to me. Now, I've heard preachers over the years say, well, you know, I just, 
It's a struggle to get a sermon up every week, and I think, good night, i got too many on the file waiting to be preached. <laughs> every time I pick up the Bible, God gives me something else, and I was like, oh, man, when I'm going to preach that? There's not enough time to be able to preach it. Uh, having, I don't want to ever be dissatisfied with being consumed by God. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I always am totally surrendered and always consumed with the Lord, but it is my desire, as David's crying out here, he wanted to bless the Lord, and he wanted all that was in him to bless the name of his God. So we need to be consumed with our God. And so he, uh, he want, his whole being is stirred. In verse 2 through 4, he uh, identifies the benefits that are experienced by knowing God. Notice in uh, verse uh, 3, he says, Who forgiveth our iniquities. If there was nothing else that God did for us but to forgive us, that ought to be enough to satisfy us. Because the reality is, without the forgiveness of God, we're under the wrath and the judgment of God. And so a benefit of being a child of God is we've been forgiven all of our iniquities. And uh, we, the debt has been paid in full through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so that's a benefit of being a child of God. Your sins are forgiven. But not only that, but in verse 3, notice the healing. It goes on here, it says, Who forgiveth our iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. And uh, you say, no, wait a minute, I just know people have different sicknesses and diseases and they're not healed. They're dealing with that whole thing. Uh, yes, but God heals all of our sicknesses because when we get to heaven, there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease. I will have a perfect body. We'll be in the presence of a perfect God, enjoying perfect worship. And uh, they want, the choir wouldn't have, won't have to worry about me directing them because I have holy angels and, and directing them. Then we'll all have perfect voices singing praise unto our God. And so he heals all of our diseases. I'm thankful that, yes, God gives us temporary healing in a temporary body at times. But hallelujah, he gives us eternal healing in a glorified body when we get to heaven. And so it's a benefit of being a Christian. You know, the person that's not saved, uh, you understand that, that what they're going to have to face through eternity when they have disease and sickness in their body is that disease and sickness is never healed. And they may die of that disease or sickness, but there's no healing in hell. There's no forgiveness in hell. There's no deliverance in hell. And so David says the benefits, I want to never forget the benefits of being a child of God, he forgives all my iniquities and he heals all of my diseases. Then he goes on in verse 4 and he tells us about the redemption. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Uh, redeem means to be purchased or bought out with a price. And uh, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, he has removed our um, our facing destruction in our life, and he has given us a new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And he redeems us, and so that's a benefit. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I love that song, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. And we all never get over, uh, get to a place where we're dissatisfied with singing songs that speak of the redemption of God. 
Uh, there is no greater work that God does in our hearts than he redeems us and purchases us. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. And so we're redeemed. Never get over that aspect of the benefit of being a child of God. And then we have mercy. It says, who crowneth thee, in verse 4, with loving kindness and tender mercies. The mercy of God. The mercy of God is God not giving us what we deserve. And I'm thankful tonight that God doesn't give me what I deserve. Because I'm going to tell you, this wicked sinner deserves a whole lot of punishment. Not a whole lot of blessings, a whole lot of punishment. But the mercy of God is that God doesn't give me what I deserve because he took what I deserve and laid it on his son. And his son consumed all that punishment for all that sin. And so the benefit that David is crying out is he was wanted to be satisfied completely with his God because he's experienced forgiveness and healing and redemption and mercy. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He's an old man, but he longs to be satisfied with his God. In verse 5 he says, So that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. And he did not want to get over, and I don't believe he's talking about his physical strength here, because you know, when you get old, be an old man, you don't have the strength that you had as a young man. And you know, as you get older, the glory of the old man is his gray head, amen? The glory of the young man may be his strength, and you can't, as an old man, get your strength back. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now, physically you can't get it back spiritually, you can be as a young person, as a person who's been saved and born again and renewed in your spirit and strong in the Lord and walking with your God because of the fact God said, if you're satisfied with me, I'll make you like your youth once again. So he's old. He longs to be satisfied with his God. I read this quote, and Jack will put it up there now. Oftentimes, we mark our Bibles. However, our Bibles do not mark us. Well, I read that and I was like, oh my. And uh, that is such a true statement. Uh, I've, I've seen people with Bibles, they got all kinds of notes and marks and everything else in there. But then when you look at their life, it's in shambles. And I'm like, uh, well, wait a minute, you're marking your Bible up. Why don't you let the Bible mark you up? Why don't you let the Bible work you over a little bit? And uh, so uh, oftentimes we ignore what the Bible uh, has to say about our life. And we're not satisfied with our God because we're ignoring what the Bible says. Uh, here's a, a thought. Here's Isaiah 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So there has to be that waiting process. There has to be this commitment. There has to be a resolve that I'm satisfied to wait on what God wants to do in my life. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. And so we can be restored and renewed in our resolve to be satisfied with our God. Don't allow anything to distract you from Christ. Don't allow anything in the world, friendships, work, whatever it may be. Don't allow these, all these things are necessary and all these things are parts of our lives but wait a minute, the priority, the point of satisfaction needs to be in Christ and Christ alone. So let's think about what David is saying here about being satisfied. First of all, he desired to have spiritual renewing, spiritual renewing. That's why David's recognition in verse 1 and 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. 
He wanted to be renewed in his spirit. And uh, how refreshing it is to be able to see God uh, move and to bless in a person's heart and restore the joy of thy salvation once again. And uh, there ought to be a thrill, there ought to be an exciting resolve that God is good and God is with me and God has something better and greater than what this world has to offer. And so he says he wanted to be renewed. So David's recognition was simply this. He's acknowledging his dependence on hope. In Psalm 43, Psalm 43 and verse 5, says, and this is David once again writing, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so whenever we move away from the Lord, it always puts us in a point of despair. And uh, I remember hearing something years ago, uh, the statement that said, uh, uh, despair is being void of God's presence. And uh, you can't have joy if God is not there. And uh, we need to depend on the hope that we have in Christ uh, over and over and over and over again. And so when I feel cast down in my soul, I have to ask the question, why is my soul disquieted within me? Why am I disconnected dis with the reality of who God is? I got to get plugged back into the hope that we have in the Lord. We need to hope in God. And he says, for yet, I says, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so dependence upon hope is turning once again to God and praising the Lord Irregardless of what the circumstances may be, irregardless of where you may be in your life, but when you're disquieted in your soul, there must be a spiritual renewing that comes through hope that is focused once again on praising God. And, it, you know, when things are going wrong and you just feel like you can't go on, you feel like you've lost your joy and you feel like you've lost your, your edge as far as being on top of things spiritually, and all, why don't you just sit down and start making a list of the things that God has done in blessing you. Yeah. It's easy to, to sit down and think about things that we are disquieted about, dissatisfied with. But when we start writing down the many, many ways that God has blessed us, and we start looking at that, count your blessings, name them one by one. And why? Because when I count my blessings and I name them one by one, it once again restores hope in my God. Because if he blessed me in the past, then he can bless me in the present and in the future. And so I want to be satisfied with who my God is, depending on my hope in my God. And then there's expression of praise in Psalm 146 in verse 1 uh, deals with this, this thought process of uh, being praising the Lord in Psalm 146.1. says, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord, O my soul. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really like a lot of courses that just repeat the same words over and over again. And sometimes we kind of get down on people who sing a lot of courses that repeat phrases over and over again. You know, the Bible does re repeat phrases over and over again. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Some Baptist preachers would never sing that in church because they would say, well, that's a contemporary song. 
uh, repeating things after a moment. Praise you, the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my being. And so this matter of expressing praise to God, you know, you can't be satisfied with the one who has saved you if you don't acknowledge praise and thanksgiving to, for what he has done. How can you enjoy God if you're complaining about God? How can you enjoy God if you're just refusing to acknowledge his goodness in your life? And, you know, some people are just so negative sometimes. And uh, I can get negative. I got a whole list of negative things. If I want to get into a state of depression and discouragement, I'll just pull out my negative list. And I can get there real quick. But if I want to get in a position where I'm satisfied as a Christian, I'm satisfied living for the Lord and serving the Lord. Then I got to pull out my list that speaks of the blessings of God. Then I got to pull out the list that speaks of praising my God. And so spiritual renewal, David recognized he needed a refreshing in his soul. Now the apostle Paul made an admission about this matter of spiritual renewal. Every one of us needs spiritual renewal. Uh, every one of us tomorrow will need spiritual renewal. And every day we have to get up in the morning ready to meet with God and ready to experience what God has for us each day. If we get up day after day after day after day with no acknowledgement that God must refresh my soul, I tell you, you get real sour real fast and you lack the satisfaction of God. And so Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He says, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know, the Apostle Paul's mission is this. Uh, there, was outward, <coughs> there was outward opposition. The amazing thing is not only was there outward opposition, but there was an inward consolation. In other words, it may have been destructive and oppressive on the outside, but inside, he was rejoicing in his God. Inside, he had the peace of God that passes all understanding. As Paul comes to the end of his life, I'm going to tell you, Paul was facing severe opposition outwardly. His body is wearing out in age. His body is suffering because of the torments and torture and punishments that he's received. His body is in shackles, shackles in the dungeon in the prisons of Rome. And as he's writing uh, his letters to the Philippian believers, uh, and when he is in prison, he's writing and saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. His satisfaction with, with God uh, was not based on the outward opposition that he was facing. It was built upon the reality of the inward consolation that God was with him and God blessed him. And so every day I need the Lord to renew my strength. Every day I need the Lord to refresh my soul. Every day I need to acknowledge, though the outward man is perishing, and he is, the inward man can be renewed every day. I can be refreshed in my God and I can be satisfied with what the Lord is doing. Having food and raiment, there would be content. And so if we're not going to be content with the things that God has blessed us with, we'll never be satisfied with God himself. And so David recognizes, I mean, the need for the refreshing of a soul. Paul admits 
and admits to the fact that he needed to be renewed day by day. And then just my supposition. In other words, if David recognizes this and Paul admits this, then what is my supposition? What's my decision? Can I, can I personally be satisfied with God? And I'll tell you, that's an important question that has to be answered by every person. Can I be satisfied with God? When you have nothing else, can you be satisfied with God? When your health is gone, can you be satisfied with God? When you're in financial ruin, can you be satisfied with God? When all men forsake you, can you be satisfied with God? When there's a great influx of finances and you've become very wealthy, can you be satisfied with God? When your health is strong and your physical strength is strong, can you be satisfied with God or will you focus on that? I've watched over the years Christians. It's an alarming thing. I might do a study on it. I don't know. I've watched over the years Christians who get all caught up in diet and fitness. Now, I'm for diet. I am. I'm for large diets, buffet diets. I buffet my body, amen? Paul buffeted his body. I buffet mine. But here's the danger. When you lose satisfaction with God and that becomes your God, and the next year people used to be faithful to church and loved God and served the Lord and were witnessing and being a testimony, all of a sudden now what nothing to do with God. They don't read their Bible. They don't talk about God. If you try to talk to them to try to restore them in faith and get them back in the church, they get very aggressive and very angry. And all their life is is diet and exercise. Now, I'm not against that. Go for it. I like my life the way it is. Amen. <laughs> but you can see the problem is this. Okay, you got healthy. Wonderful. You got fit. Great. Then why? Then why did you lose your satisfaction with God? And we can use that in all kinds of realms. People get involved in business, they start making money, they start making big money. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, they don't have any time for church, no time for God. See, just simply, the question is, if David recognized he needed refreshing in his soul, and the apostle Paul admitted the reality that the outward man's perishing, but you can be renewed in, inside, then I have to make a decision about that. What's my supposition? First of all, I thought about this. I must be stirred by God. I want God to stir me. When, when I'm in church and God's not stirring me, now you say, you're the preacher. Yes, but I'm going to tell you one thing right now. A preacher can study how to be an orator. And a preacher can study how to try to entice people to respond. And a preacher can study intellectually and get information to give out. And listen, many a preacher can stand in the pulpit and mechanically stand up and deliver a message. But there's no stirring of God. And what good is a message that doesn't stir the hearts of people? I want God to stir my heart. 
If God, listen, you wouldn't believe how many messages I've thrown out over the years. I've written messages and I've come over to the church around three or four o'clock in the morning praying over my message. And God says, that's not the message you were in the flesh when you wrote that. Throw that thing out. And I'm like, uh, Lord, it's four o'clock in the morning. I got to <laughs> preach in four hours. And God says, throw it out. It's garbage because I didn't stir you to get that message. And I take the message and throw it in the trash. And I pray and say, okay, God, you give me what you want me to preach. I want to be stirred by God. The men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, 32, they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? While we talked, when he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. When God speaks to us along the way, as we open up the scriptures, there ought to be a burning in our hearts. There ought to be a stirring of God, a fluttering, if you will, of the Holy Spirit upon our soul, uh, that we might know that God is refreshing us and restoring us. My supposition is I must be stirred by God. It's also, I must have my sufficiency in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, Selves, but our sufficiency is of God. You know, it might be well if you got to a point in your life, spiritually, financially, whatever, socially, where you really don't have to depend on God. It might be well for you to put yourself in a position where if God doesn't come through, you're not going to make it. Amen. You say, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. Because if we do not put ourselves in a position where God is our sufficiency, we'll, be we'll become dissatisfied with who he is. I have to know that God's going to take care of me today. And if God doesn't take care of me today, then I'm not going to make it. I want God to be in control of my finances. I want God to take care of everything that I need in life. I want God to be my sufficiency. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, I think it was the Apostle Paul said, no man stood with me. It was Paul at the end of his life. He said, no man stood with me. If no one stands with you, you're all by yourself. Is Christ enough? Is he sufficient? I want to be satisfied with Christ. So my supposition is I must be stirred by God. I must have my sufficiency in God. And I must be sustained by God. Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God, meet my needs this, this day. I want you to provide for food on my table. Dr. Malone used to say, if God's got to make a turkey fly in, lay it on your table to feed you, he can do it. And I'll tell you, if you're hungry at Thanksgiving, you can be around here. Leave the windows in your car open because there's plenty of turkey. <laughs> One of them might fly into your window, Amen. And you'll be able to have turkey for Thanksgiving. But anyway, God can take care of you. And I listen, I have seen God provide for my wife and I over the years, putting food on our doorstep, giving us money, doing, I mean, these miraculous things that I could talk for hours on end in reference to how God is taking care of us. God has never failed me. He has never failed me. And what my needs are, 
God has always met. Amen. And he continues. Yes, but I found this, that as I increase and I may have more possessions or whatever God may bless me with, uh, I have to keep giving them back to God and give them away. Amen. And uh, I gave somebody some money the other day, and God's already replaced it. I'm like, my goodness, you can't outgive God. It's, it's an amazing concept. And people think, well, I can, I, I'm satisfied with what I've been able to create an income and what I've been able to do and all this, that, and the other. Yes, but what happens when the income is gone? What happens when your health is gone? What happens when your strength is gone? Who are you going to be satisfied in then? David said, oh, I need the Lord to satisfy my soul. George Mueller wrote in his diary on May 9th, 1941. He said, it is to please the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for, many, uh, for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. David was crying out, Oh, I want to be satisfied with my God. He's the one who satisfies thy mouth with good things. And uh, George Mueller realized that. So, a spiritual renewing. Wow, I'm going to have to go fast on the next two points. A practical renewing. There is a process that takes place in this renewing process. First of all, intellectual. And the spirit of your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. And so the process of being satisfied with Christ is getting a new mind, a new thinking process that's in line with what God has to say. Because the reality is, as an unsaved person, our thought process was totally different than what our pro thought process is as a Christian. So we need to be thinking about things differently. And we need to realize that, wait a minute, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So I need to make sure my thinking process is correct. So a practical renewing. It's identifiable. And it's identifiable because in Colossians 3.10, says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. It's identifiable. You know, Paul says that we are to be, whom the Lord did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. And so it's identifiable. What am, what am I supposed to be as a Christian? How am I supposed to live as a Christian? Well, I look at the life of Christ. And we have believers around us. We have people around us that we can use as examples of follow. Paul challenged Timothy. He also challenged Titus to be an example to the people of God. There are people that are good examples for us, but ultimately we're to be identified with Jesus Christ. So it's intellectual, it's identifiable, it's transformable. In other words, satisfaction. If I'm dissatisfied, I can be transformed to be satisfied with the Lord. Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
transformable? Are you willing to let God change who you are so that he can accomplish his will in your life? The amazing thing is we're always wanting to maintain our identity. And the problem is we create identity crises. And we need to lose our identity in Christ so that Christ can transform us into what he wants us to be. You say, well, I'm not satisfied with that. You don't understand. All my friends live this way. All my friends do this. Well, wait a minute. What does God do? So you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so A.T. Pearson said this, He who rushes in the presence of God to hasten through a few formal petitions and then hasten back to outside cares and pursuits does not tarry long enough to lose the impression of what is without and get the impression of what is within the secret chamber. In other words, you stop, stop and think of how many hours you spend in the world. We get up in the morning, we go to our jobs, you work eight-hour job, maybe you got an hour drive to get there, an hour drive to get home, you got 10 hours of your life invested in, in an environment that is totally anti-God. And the next day you get up and do it again. The next day you get up and do it again. Five days, you've got 10, 12 hours, you got 50, 60 hours of invested time in a world that is anti-God. And then you come in the church, we have Sunday school, we have Sunday morning, we have Sunday night, so we got three hours of church on Sunday. Don't make Wednesday because Wednesday you have to work late. So now you got 60 hours of work and influence of an ungodly world that defies the very God whom you love and care for, and you've invested three hours of worshiping your Lord and studying the word of God in church and then we turn around and say, well, wait a minute, I just don't have time to pray and be alone with God in personal study. Who, who do you think is going to win out? Who, who do you think is going to have the greatest impact? It's going to be the one that consumes the most of your time. And if we're not willing to take time to pray and be alone with God, to let God speak to us in this great way, then we need to uh, uh, not complain when we're not like Christ. And so I need to be refreshed in my soul. And the only way I'm going to refresh my soul is I got to get into the presence of God and learn who he is. I need to let Christ transform my life into what he is, uh, wants me to be. I've been saved since 1979. I've been in ministry since 1984. And I can tell you this, that this preacher still needs God to transform him. I still need God to do something special in my heart. I'm still longing. I have been praying and pursuing the Lord and saying, God, I just want to be in the center of your will. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to miss out on one thing that you have for me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, give me the power of thy grace. God, I just want to be satisfied with you. I don't want to be consumed with everything else. I don't want my love of doing ministry to replace my love for God. Because if the love of doing ministry replaces my love for God, I'll cease being transformed into the image of Christ. 
And when that happens, I lose my satisfaction because I become satisfied with everything else. So I need to be refreshed. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things? And so we see there was a spiritual renewing. There's a practical renewing. And the last thought is this, a relational renewing. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Well, how we need the renewing of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, we're saved by conviction. The Spirit of God comes on us, brings conviction upon us, and because of that conviction, we repent of our sin, we call on Christ, and we're delivered. But we live by conviction also. We, the world is, the church age has kind of grasped this concept that we have to throw all kinds of conviction out of it because we don't want to be legalistic and we don't want to put people on guilt trips. But the reality is I can't put anybody on any guilt trip. I can't convince anybody to be changed in their heart. It's the Spirit of God that brings conviction to save. And it's the Spirit of God that brings conviction that changes us. And so we're to be saved by conviction, but we are to live by conviction also. And what does that mean? That means it'll develop several things here. Just identify them here real quick. It'll give us intensity. And, uh, you know, we need, listen, we need to be intense about our faith in Christ. Uh, we, we, there's, no, there's no joy in just coasting along. We need to, you know, when people go to amusement parks, what do they want to do? They want to get on a roller coaster. And they want to get on the biggest roller coaster, the highest roller coaster, the fastest roller coaster. Why? Because when you go zooming off the top of that thing, you about have a heart attack, and it's over in about 50 seconds, and you're like, man, what a ride. That was great. Why? Because it was intense. It was intense. And oftentimes people get dissatisfied with God because your life in Christ is not intense. I mean, we need to be purpose-driven people. We need to be excited about who we are as a Christian. It ought to drive us over the years. I've had, without fail, for 35 years, I've heard people say, man, you're just too intense. You need to calm down a little bit. I'm afraid you're going to have a heart attack up there. Well, good. Amen. Just don't come up here and do mouth-to-mouth on me. That's all I ask. I want to be intense for God. I don't, I don't want to be just lallygagging along. You know, I, I want to be stirred up. I want to be on fire. I want to be excited about being a Christian. I thought about intensity. I thought about purity. Relational renewing. If I'm intense for God, I'm telling you one thing right now, the world will have no hold, no temptations that it can put, lay on top of me. My focus is Christ. I'm going to tell you the world can't come after me. Uh, loyalty. I thought about loyalty. Living by conviction because we're saved by conviction. Loyalty. Loyalty to my Savior. And if I'm loyal to my Savior, all other loyalties that I'm accountable for will fall in line. It all starts with Jesus. I thought about consistency. Consistency. When you got saved... Six months ago. When you got saved six years ago. When you got saved 60 years ago. Whatever your life was in Christ, in order to continue to grow over time and uh, space, 
in intensity and in purity and in loyalty is going to require you to be consistent in your faith. Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Consistent. I thought about priority. I won't be consistent with my walk with God if I'd not establish some priorities in my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Priorities. And then I thought of necessity. You say, why would you put that focus on those things? It is a necessity for me to be satisfied with Christ. If I'm not satisfied with being pure, then certainly I'm not going to enjoy the presence of God in my life. If I'm not satisfied with intensity or loyalty or whatever, you want either one of these points, uh, then I'm not going to be satisfied with Christ. So it's out of necessity that I must be set the priorities in my life and be consistent in my walk with God loyal to my God, living a pure life for my God, and intense and excited about my God, because if I don't, it's going to fail, it's going to fizzle out, it's going to fall by the wayside. It's necessary for me to do these things because of the fact I want my soul, I want my mouth to be satisfied with the things that God has given me. Robert Murray McShay said this, and we'll end with this quote, what a man is alone with God, that is what he is. Nothing more or nothing else. So you can have all the world's accolades you want. But if you're not in the presence of God and satisfied with God, you're nothing. What you are in reality of who you are as a human being created in the image of God and saved for the glory of God, what you are in essence as a Christian is what you are when you're alone with God. When you spend that time in prayer, when you spend that time in study, when you spend that time alone just meditating on the things of God, what you are is what you are in the presence of God. And so David, as he's coming to the end of his life, he's becoming an old man. He said, I don't want to lose being satisfied with my God. He's the one who satisfied my mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And wherever you are in your Christian life tonight, newly saved, been saved a long time, struggling in your salvation, joyful in your God, dissatisfied with God, I just want you to know this. As a Christian, we experience joy, real joy, when we're satisfied with Christ and Christ alone. And I just have experienced this over the years. When you're happy with the Lord, God takes care of all the other things. There's disappointments and heartaches, things that will just kind of shake you up. They do not destroy you because your satisfaction is God. You know, Apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. What goes on in the world shouldn't shake you up. When people do wrong, it should not floor you. When it seems like trials and difficulties come upon you, Wait a minute, wait a minute. None of these things move me. 
We need to be satisfied in Christ. And my satisfaction in Christ is what keeps you going. Amen. Being satisfied. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be together tonight. Thank you for the sweetness of Christ and the glory of God. And I'm thankful for the life that we can enjoy by receiving Christ as our Savior. Help us, Lord, to be satisfied with you. Holy Spirit of God, speak to us, show us very clearly, Lord, what we've put in place of our God. And give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the stamina that we can remove those things so we can once again be satisfied with Christ and Christ alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.